What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical, where we talk all things training, nutrition, and mindset optimization, while making sure to not lose sight of the practical and applicable side of things. I'm your host, Jordan Lips, and I just wanted to say thank you for taking time out of your day to tune in. I appreciate you. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the show. Today, we are talking about differences between men and women in terms of training for muscle strength and hypertrophy. Just to set the scene, there are typically two camps on either side of this conversation. The first camp says that men are, or, or women are just little men, aka we should train exactly the same. The other camp says women are totally different from men. And the irony of this camp is there's actually two subcamps. One camp that thinks that, you know, women won't see nearly the strength and muscle gain as men will, and they shouldn't even bother lifting. And the other camp says that if women pick up weights, they're going to automatically look like Arnold. Now, as you as you can probably suspect, the, that neither of these camps is wholly correct. I will say that camp one, women are just little men, is much closer to the truth. We are way more similar than we are different. We're not two different species. You know, we're two different genders, and our physiology and our anatomy are going to be way more similar than they are different. The training principles are going to be way more similar than they are different. So at the end of the day, our training should reflect that, right? Your programming is going to look very similar, men or women. Yes, there are some nuances. Yes, we're going to talk about the differences. But if you take anything from today, it's that we're way more similar than we are different. And obsessing over some of the stuff we talk about is likely missing the forest for the trees. Something else I'd like to be a main takeaway of today is that while there are definitely generalizations, between genders, right, between men and women, there are huge differences within genders, right? Two different women can have totally different, um, you know, levels of, of hormones, have different anatomy. Like, yes, there are generalizations and differences between the genders across large populations, but you should always deal as a coach with the person in front of you because yes, there are generalizations, but that doesn't mean that all women are gonna fall into that bucket or all men are gonna fall into that bucket. And there are going to be plenty of within gender differences that that is also something we should absolutely be taking into account when, when we factor in exercise programming, exercise selection, things of that nature. So just to go over the similarities quickly, because I hope that is a main takeaway, both men and women should be progressing in the squat, the hinge, the lunge, push, pull, and core exercises. We should be doing between eight and 20 sets per muscle group per week. We should be taking those sets within a few reps from failure. Those sets should be in the six to 30 rep range. We should be resting long enough to make sure those sets are effective. We should be choosing movements that target the muscles we want to grow. We should be using techniques that don't hurt and give us a good stimulus. And we should be using mostly compound lifts and some isolation lifts. Now, as we dive into the differences, we're gonna tackle these category by category. First category is muscle distribution and anatomy. Men are going to have a higher proportion of their starting muscle mass in their upper body women are going to have a higher proportion of their starting muscle mass in their lower body. And something we'll talk about more later is that your ceiling for growth is relative to your starting point. So because women have a lower percentage of their starting muscle mass in their upper body, it's unlikely that women are just going to wake up one day with a jacked, quote unquote, masculine, quote unquote, bulky upper body out of nowhere. Besides, honestly, that's hard for anybody. And this idea that you're just going to wake up one day looking like Arnold upper body because you started training upper body, it's just not the case. The truth is building a muscular physique takes a ton of intention, years in the gym, lots of calories, and it just doesn't happen overnight. Now, anatomically, women have a larger Q angle, 
Q standing for quad, so a larger quad angle. And if you think of the shape of women versus men, generally speaking, women have wider hips for bearing children. So the angle from their, the angle of their quad, the angle of their femur from their hip bone to their kneecap is going to be larger than that of men who have more narrow hips, right? For a man, if you're picturing this as I say it, their hips will be centered directly above their knees. For a woman, it might be that their her hips are, are outside of her knees and that that angle is inward. Now, what does this mean for exercise programming or training for muscle and strength? Well, this larger Q angle can sometimes lead to knee caving inward during hip and knee flexion. Think of squatting. Because of this increased Q angle, it might lead to knees caving inward, which can lead to you know, one of two things in different and varying degrees, one being, you know, potential knee injuries down the road if we don't have proper cueing and we don't have proper, proper exercise distribution, but also has been proposed to be a reason that some people, some women, quote unquote, you know, feel all of their leg movements in their quads. You know, if you're a woman or you're a coach, you've probably dealt with someone who's like, you know, coach, whenever I do legs, my quads blow up. Whenever I do legs, I just feel it in my thighs. You know, this quote unquote quad dominance. And it can be a real thing, and Q angle can abs can absolutely be something that's that's um, a factor in this. Now, this isn't something that we can't overcome. It's something we can easily overcome. We can overcome it in two ways. We can use different techniques and different cues. So think of a lunge pattern. Instead of lunging with your knee going out over your toe and a little bit more upright posture, which would be a little bit more quad dominant, we can have a slight forward lean and use a more vertical shin, which can shift the tension away from the quads onto the glutes. That is a technique shift that can change an exercise to be a little bit more posterior dominant and a little less knee dominant. We can also shift from an overall program bias. If somebody feels very strongly that they feel their quads in almost all of their leg movements, especially their, their knee dominant movements, man, you can just program more hinge and more hip extension, right? More deadlifts, more hip thrusts, and less barbell back squats, less hack squats, less leg presses. And you can handle that in terms of the overall volume distribution across your training. So the next topic we're going to go over is fatigue and re recovery capacity. And this sentence or paragraph I'm going to read is something that you'll read or hear in every podcast and article covering this topic. So it's going to cover a couple of things that we're going to unpack afterwards. So women generally fatigue slower, recover faster, but are less explosive. Men are more explosive. However, a consequence of that explosiveness is quicker fatigue and slower recoverability. Women can generally perform more reps at a given percentage of their one rep max. Now, let's unpack all of that and then we'll go over it again at the end. So, men and women differ in terms of fiber type distribution. Women have a higher percentage of type 1 fibers. Men have, men have a higher percentage of type 2 fibers. Very quick breakdown of fiber type for those of you guys who don't know. Type 2 fibers are also called fast twitch fibers. Type 1 fibers are slow twitch fibers. And... You know, albeit a reductionist viewpoint, fast twitch fibers contract more quickly and more powerfully. They also require more time to recover. They also fatigue quicker, which would explain, again, why men are more explosive, but fatigue faster, recover slower. Type 1 fibers, or slow twitch fibers, contract less forcefully, right, quote unquote slower, but they fatigue slower, so they can work for longer, and they recover faster, which, again, women less explosive, but Fatigue slower, recover faster. Makes a lot of sense. Women also have better capillary density. What does that mean? It means that women are going to be better at bringing blood to the muscle 
and flushing out metabolites. Now, metabolites you can think of as like the burn, that like quote unquote lactic acid buildup, right? So women are going to be better at clearing that out of the muscle, which will allow them to, you know, is one of the factors that will allow women to perform more reps at a given percentage of their one rep max than men because they can delay that feeling, that onset of burn, which is typically why you stop a set is because it freaking hurts. So women are going to be able to clear that burn feeling better than men, which will allow them to perform more reps at a given percentage of their one rep max. It's also going to be a reason, a factor in recoverability and work capacity. Women's fat and muscle can use can better use both carbs and fats to fuel exercise, which is better for everything except short bouts of highly glycolytic explosive exercise, where, like we said, men are going to be slightly better. So again, falls right in line with what we're talking about. Men are going to be more explosive. Women are going to be less explosive. Estrogen also plays a crucial role in recovery from exercise, which we'll discuss in more detail soon. Now, what does all this mean, right? Women are fatigued slower, recover faster, less explosive. Men are more explosive, but, you know, fatigue quicker and recover slower. Like, what, what does all this mean? What do we do with this information? What do we do with our programming? Do we change anything now? Like, practical applications. Generally speaking, women are probably going to be able to handle more volume, right? More hard sets within a session, within a week, and within a mesocycle or, you know, four to six week training block. So women will probably be able to do more work at any given amount of time. Women can also likely handle higher frequency training than men. So again, not to put hard guidelines on this because you can't and because there's so much within gender differences, women might be able to train more often during the week than men, generally speaking. Some people think that this ability to clear metabolites and more type one muscle fibers and being able to do more reps at a given percentage of your one rep max means women should be training with higher reps. I don't think that's a compelling argument. I don't think you should radically change your programming based on that. I think it's just a fact that women can do that. I don't think it means you should only target those rep ranges where women would perform in a superior manner. I think you should still use a broad range of rep ranges. I think that's still a really good idea to work in that five to 10 rep range and that 10 to 20 and that 20 to 30. Now, I will say just to, turn, just to bring this to a close is that a lot of these recovery capacity and fatigue uh, differences might also be because women are just lifting lower absolute loads and with lower absolute loads usually comes with less systemic and joint fatigue, which would lead to better recoverability and the ability to do more volume and more frequency. But the mechanisms here still make perfect sense. I just wanted to throw that out there. So women generally fatigue slower, recover faster, but are less explosive. Men are more explosive, However, a consequence of that explosiveness is quicker fatigue and slower recoverability. And women can generally perform more reps at a given percentage of their one rep max. The next topic of discussion is hormonal differences and potential for strength and muscle gains across a training career. Now, this is one of the most interesting categories here. You know, typically speaking, the, the, the accepted viewpoint is that men just build muscle faster, right? Men just get bigger quicker. And... It's just not that simple. Men have more testosterone, about 10 times that that, that women have. Jeez, about 10 times the amount that women have, which means men will have more base muscle and strength. Women have more estrogen, which seems to be really important for recovery, which also probably plays a role in all that recovery stuff we just talked about. Does this mean men having more testosterone than women? Does this mean that men can build more muscle faster than women because they have more testosterone? Kind of. 
It depends what you mean by more. We need to distinguish between how much muscle we start with, right? What are we talking about? Are we talking about how much muscle we start with versus how much muscle can men versus women build relative to that starting point? Testosterone is very important when it comes to how much muscle you start with. So men are going to start with much more muscle than women. However, testosterone has little to do with, within normal ranges, with relative rate of muscle growth from that starting point. So men and women can gain muscle. I want you to listen to this carefully. Men and women can gain muscle and strength at the same rate relative to their starting point across a training career. Men and women can gain muscle at, and strength at the same rate relative to their starting point across a training career. Men just have more muscle and thus, mu sorry, men just start with more muscle and thus have higher ceilings. Men are going to generally be, in an absolute sense, stronger, but that's mostly just because men have a head start. There's actually a, a good amount of research that says women get stronger and build muscle relative, their, relative to their starting point faster than men. Right? We have to understand that this idea of building muscle needs to be in the context of relative to your starting point. And because men are starting with more testosterone and thus starting with more muscle, their ceiling for muscle growth is going to be higher. But relatively speaking, women are going to build strength and muscle at the same rate as men. All in all, we can probably throw away this idea that women can't gain muscle and strength. We have to understand it in terms of relative terms relative to your starting point and not in absolute terms. Men usually are, in an absolute sense, bigger and stronger, but that's because they start out bigger and stronger. So if you're a woman and you're listening to this, man, you can get just as much stronger as you are right now as men as a man can. So get out there and lift some weights and don't think that just because you don't have the 10X testosterone that a man has that you're not gonna build muscle. Something that I found very interesting is that, like we said just previously is that testosterone within normal ranges doesn't actually have or doesn't actually seem to have a really profound effect on rate of muscle gain. It turns out that rate of muscle gain just has so many inputs that, you know, whether you have 200 testosterone or, or, or 300 or 400 or 500 or 600 probably isn't going to make any difference of, in terms of rate of muscle gain. It will, however, have a difference in terms of starting muscle point, which, yes, gives you a higher ceiling. Now, we, if we're talking hormones, we also have to talk training, uh, uh, menstrual cycle. Now, man, there's a lot of people out there talking about training alongside your menstrual cycle, right? Training based on your menstrual cycle. And I'm going to go over what that is, and I'm going to throw my two cents in there. So I'm going to go very general, very broad here. Let's say you have a normal 28-day cycle. Training alongside your menstrual cycle would, st would state that during the follicular phase where estrogen is highest, you might ramp up training volume and intensity to match that high estrogen. As we move into the luteal phase where we see a dip in estrogen, you might also bring training volume and intensity down. And in the last week of your cycle, you might bring it down even further or take a deload, which all things considering that would look like a four week block, right? Isn't a, a, such an a far-fetched split between accumulation weeks, weeks of training, and deload. It would look something like three weeks of accumulation, three weeks of training, and then a deload, which is not a far-fetched um, split. It's actually a split that I do with a lot of online coaching clients. Three weeks of training, one week of deload. Now, my practical experience with training alongside your menstrual cycle is that it usually makes things more complex than it needs to be. You don't have to have really intense, debilitating, and consistent symptoms 
that require really changing your training, like literally not being able to go into the gym and complete your workouts. But man, it's definitely possible. And I think the right takeaway here is to understand that women are going to have more fluctuations in how they feel during training, during a training block, and we should absolutely respect that and modify as needed. And if you're somebody who has very serious symptoms and very serious um, fluctuations in how you're feeling across your cycle and it's relatively consistent, then I think you should definitely consider pairing higher volume phases with your higher estrogen phases and tapering your training down as you get closer to the end of your cycle. So I think it's definitely worth the discussion, but I have found that it adds a layer of complexity that's usually not needed. But if you're a coach, and man, certainly if you're a male coach, you need to be cognizant that the women that you're training are going to be at the very least susceptible to higher fluctuations in how they feel showing up to a training session. Cool. So next category, exercise selection and flexibility versus stability. So we talked earlier about proportion differences between men and women in terms of starting muscle mass, right? So women are going to have more proportion or a higher percentage of their total muscle mass in their lower body and men in their upper body. Now, this might be a self-selecting thing, but those like prerequisite, those, those predetermined proportionate differences might lead to preferences in training, right? Women you know, again, this is where I don't want to put people in buckets. Like I have, I will talk about exceptions later, but women often will enjoy training lower body more. Guess what? Because they tend to have a higher percentage of their muscle mass in their lower body, which means they're probably better and stronger at training lower body, which guess what? It's freaking fun. So I don't want to make this some generalization that women only love training up, uh, lower body and men only love training upper body. Like, no, but you know, across large populations and having spent 10 years coaching men and women, like, yeah, that 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 isn't a far-fetched distribution. And it might just come from the fact that that's where you're predisposed to be stronger. Additionally, men and women also, quote unquote, tend, you know, tend in italics, tend to prefer growing different muscles from an aesthetic standpoint. Now, again, this might be because they start off with proportionately different um, distribution of muscle, but it also might be, you know, societal norms saying men should look one way and women should look another way. For whatever reason, it might stand that women, you know, enjoy training more glutes and hams, more shoulders, more back. Men like training more quads, more chest, more arms. But again, like, man, the truth is like, who gives a shit? Like, if you are a woman and you like training your upper body, like, go for it. Like, you should be on a program that highlights what you want, regardless of any of this. I feel kind of stupid even saying it because, yes, those are some generalizations I've seen, but don't let that change what you want. These are broad generalizations, but yes, anecdotally, I've seen them play out. Ironically, though, currently at the moment with my online coaching crop, I have a good number of women who are on an upper body focused program or like a really arms biased program. And it just gets me pumped up to kind of like see it go counter to what most people think they should look like or what society thinks people should look like. And I love that. So it makes me super pumped. And if you're a woman out there and you want to get a strong upper body, man, go for it. It's fucking awesome. You could also say that because women start proportionally with less muscle in their upper body, that it's even more important to train the upper body because they're starting at a, not disadvantage, but a lower proportion of their total muscle. So women also tend to be more flexible than men. I don't think this is too far-fetched of a statement. If you go to any yoga class, you're going to see like some woman in like some, you know, leg behind her head on one arm. And you're going to see a guy like trying to get into child's pose, like sweating bullets 
like aching, can't touch his kneecap. So, I, I, you know, while those might be generalizations, I think we can all agree that this is something we tend to see often. So what does that mean from a programming standpoint? It means that women might benefit more from stability work in their warmups than they would from mobility work and vice versa. An example might be, you know, a woman might benefit more from doing some core stabilization work to stabilize a spine before leg day, right? Think of something like a high plank with a shoulder tap. While a man might benefit more from doing some mobility work, something like maybe a T-spine a rotation or a couch stretch, couch stretch or bootstrap squats, something that's mobility-based. Now, again, these are like massive generalizations. I have plenty of women who are very stiff and I have women who are, are men who are very flexible, but yeah, across large populations, this is how it tends to play out. And if you're a coach and you have a woman who's very mobile and you're still giving her a ton of mobility work, man, she might benefit more from some stability work. So yes, I agree with these general trends, but I've seen enough people on both ends that you really need to assess the individual in front of you and not just assume women are flexible and men are pieces of driftwood that are going to snap, you know? So quick summary of everything we've talked about today. Women are generally, or women generally fatigue slower, recover faster, but are less explosive. Men are more explosive, but fatigue quicker and recover slower. Women can generally perform more reps at a given percentage of their one rep max. Women have a higher proportion of their, of their total musculature at the start in their lower body and men in their upper body, which may lead to training preferences. Aesthetically, women and men, women and men tend to prefer building different muscle groups in different proportions. Women have larger Q angles that may lead to knee caving during hip flexion and knee flexion movements, which can be fixed with an ex from an exercise cueing as well as a, an exercise distribution across a training program. Women have more estrogen, men have more testosterone. That means that men will start with more muscle and give them a higher ceiling for total absolute muscle mass and strength. But men and women have the same potential for gains relative to their starting point. So this idea that women cannot get much stronger than they are is bullshit. You can at exactly the same rate and potentially faster than men relative to your starting point. Women may want to consider adjusting training according to their menstrual cycle, but it's something that can be easily overcomplicated for most people. All in all, it's definitely something you should take into account. Women tend to be more flexible than men and potentially can benefit from more stability work in their accessory movements as well as their warmups. Well, men might want to focus a little bit more on mobility, but again, generalizations that don't always play out all the time. Now, I think a lot of these differences are very cool. Um, I think that talking about, you know, women's ability to build muscle at the same, build muscle and strength at the same rate as men and talking about the Q angle and man, a lot of this stuff is very cool. But remember, we are way more similar than we are different. You should be progressing in the squat, hinge, lunge, push, pull, core, doing eight to 20 sets, getting close to failure, six to 30 reps, resting enough, you know, choosing muscle groups that target, choosing movements that target muscles you want to grow, use techniques that don't hurt, get a good stimulus, mostly compound lifts, some isolation. Once you're doing all of that, yes, that's where a coach can come in and say, hey, let's lean forward in our Bulgarian split squat a little more so we can, you know, take some of that tension off the quad. Or, hey, let's bias more of your training towards upper body because that's what you really want to train. Like, those are nuances. That's great. But if you're doing what I just said, squat, hinge, lunge, push, pull, core, all of that stuff, man, you're going to get really freaking close and our training should look very similar. You know, part of the things that 
I can provide as a coach that coaches can provide is some of this nuance. But I'll tell you straight up, if you're if you have a good training program um, that covers all of those things we just talked about, you're good to go. And if you want to, you know, a lot of those nuances and subtle changes, man, those are cherries on top. So don't get lost in the weeds. Make sure you're doing those big rocks and understand that because just because there are differences between men and women, don't forget that there are plenty of differences within men. I know plenty of flexible men and plenty of men who can't touch their kneecaps, right? Plenty of men or plenty of women who have a, a ton of natural muscle mass in their upper body and plenty of women who have a ton of muscle mass in their lower body. So while a lot of this stuff is cool, it's fun to talk about, remember, if you're a coach, deal with the person in front of you, deal with the individual in front of you. If you're just a regular person listening to this, don't put yourself in any of these buckets, especially if you can already parse out that you don't belong in one of those buckets. And if, you know, I'd be remiss if I did not touch on the fact that, man, if you're a woman listening to this, I hope this gets you pumped up. I hope you understand that women are fucking awesome and that you have so a lot of things physically better than men. Yeah, we start out with more muscle, but that's like pretty much it. We start out with more muscle, so we have higher ceilings. Great. Women fatigue slower, better recover capacity. Like there's a lot of amazing things when it comes to training for strength and hypertrophy that women are just flat out better at. And so, you know, understanding that you can build muscle, you can build strength at the same rate. You just happen to start out with less. Man, I hope that's empowering for women to hear that and say, I'm going to get in the gym. I'm going to lift because I can get stronger. I can build muscle. Yeah, I just happen to be starting at a, at a, a relatively, um, you know, lower total muscle mass. Great, like no problem. And for those of you who are nervous about lifting and getting super, super bulky in your upper body, man, because your ceiling is relative to your, your starting point and because women tend to have a lower proportion of their total muscle mass in the upper body, you can be pretty sure that's not going to happen. And at the very least, it's not going to happen overnight. And if you start to get too big and bulky and you don't like it, because again, big and bulky is pretty subjective. And if you start lifting and you don't like the way it's trending, you can always change it up. Anyway, guys, I hope that helped. I hope that helped describe some of the differences, but I hope more than anything, you understand that if you're doing the big rocks, a lot of this stuff in terms of nuance and tiny differences is just that, nuance and tiny differences. It's just cherries on top. Thanks for listening, guys. I will see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you enjoyed it, if you found value, do me a favor and take a screenshot of your phone and post it to your social media. If you do, tag me so I can say thanks. If you ever want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at Jordan Lips Fitness on Instagram, or you can email me, jordanlips at jordanlipsfitness.com, or check out the website, jordanlipsfitness.com. I'd love to chat. Have a great day.